This message by Terry Virgo was recorded at the New Frontiers Together on a Mission Conference 2007 in Brighton. And chapter one. I'm going to read the opening nine verses of this famous chapter. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I'll not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your commitment to individuals. We thank you, Lord, your awareness of our need of you. We thank you too for including us in your great plan and program. And Holy Spirit, we ask you tonight as we finish off this great opening day, would you, Lord, seal things in our hearts, settle them. We ask that you will open up the inner understanding of our hearts and minds that we might press into all that you have for us. We might, even as a family of churches, engage with you with faith, expectation, courage, commitment, Lord, come and work into us. We thank you. Your word says God is at work in us to will and to do his good pleasure. Now come, Lord, come and work in us to will your good pleasure and then to do your good pleasure. Come and do what only you can do for your great glory and praise. Come and have your way through the preaching of your word for the activity of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Right now we pray. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In these couple of sessions that I'm taking with you, I felt very drawn to this passage as I stood back preparing for this important event and said to the Lord, really, Lord, what is it you are particularly impressing on us? What is it you're saying to us as a movement, as a family of churches at the moment? What is the thing that is uppermost coming to us again and again? And to be honest, it's not difficult because there is a kind of repeated 
statement. It's come just a moment ago again from Julian. This whole sense that God is turning the page for us. There's a new page being turned. We've been hearing of such phrases as a new era. Recently at a prayer meeting at home, we had a vision of the curtain being raised at the theatre, and as the curtain raised, oh, it's a completely new scene. And it's like God's using every possible analogy and picture and uh, style of speaking to uh, arrest our attention. And even recently at a prayer meeting, just opposite where I was standing and looking at, out of the window from time to time, between songs and songs, I opened my, my eyes and just straight facing me in, new traffic signals ahead. And I just felt I couldn't get away from it. I'm not one who normally takes notice of such things, but it kept on just getting in my face. New traffic signals ahead. There's going to come a new traffic flow. There's going to come a new stage set. There's going to be a page, for unprecedented breakthrough. And God loves all of our turning over of a new leaf. But when he turns the page, it's altogether different. When he starts something fresh, when he says, I am beginning to do a new thing, then we need to wake up to it. And beloved, when God says it again and again and again, we have to take note. And to be honest, it's not difficult to catch the thread when you realize what's happening around us. I'd love to just tell you of uh, an email I got even yesterday. I just uh, was working in the office for a while, and always an email came through, and uh, uh, just yesterday, literally. And it was from a trustee of one of our churches, the leading trustee, and he said, I just want to share with you my personal testimony of these last few months. And he comes from our church in Bournemouth, the Bournemouth uh, Family Church, yes. And uh, some of us have watched their experience, what they've been going through, and uh, have been to the church that they bought some years ago and have been renovating. And then uh, the pastors from the, uh, the UK, and we haven't had a, a UK pastors conference for a long time. It gets swallowed up in this one. But we thought last year, hey, let's have one. And so we decided to ask if we could go down to the Bournemouth church and, uh, and then go to hotels around there and have our meetings in their building. Uh, they agreed, and they said, oh, by the way, we're not meeting in the building we had before. We are meeting in a massive B&Q warehouse. And uh, we said, well, that'll do fine. We don't mind that at all. And so we came uh, to that warehouse, and I think for probably every one of those who came, we looked at this gigantic, massive building, and said to Guy Miller, you ought to have this. And it was just kind of a joke because it was so very, very big, a huge, huge place. And you thought, well, you know, how can you possibly even have it? And yet, again and again, that sense, surely God wants them to have it. Surely it's what God's after. And they said, well, it would be uh, very nice, but it's probably like eight or nine million. And uh, there are about 400 of us, so it's a bit of a tall call. And... Uh, and yet, you know, everyone was saying, hey, isn't this wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if they got it? Well, they began to pray. And this gentleman's uh, email that I had yesterday said, when people began to say you should have it, as a responsible head of trustees, he thought, let's not be foolish here. Let's not get carried away. And uh, it really does underline something of what Steve was saying this morning about levels of leadership within a a body that can affect and influence and help direct the way people respond at a crisis time. 
And this dear man said he, he was struggling with it, and then we had a, a weekend down at Bournemouth again, and subsequently, I think it was in January, uh, the tide is turning weekend. And uh, we again looked at the theme of faith and pressing through, and he wrote to me to say, I want you to know, that weekend my heart turned completely. I just changed completely my whole view. I thought, of course we can do it. Yes, we can make this thing. We can do it. He said, I testified. Others understood. I changed my position. And as a church, we began to pray and look to God and see what God would do in this extraordinary thing. And then as they did so, and as we've heard from time to time, little movements, he's just written saying, this last week, the deal was settled. We now have the promise for this building. They're going into a joint project. I won't uh, take all the details of this fascinating email to you. But he says, the outcome will be we will have a 1,500-seater auditorium in the heart of Bournemouth. Well, when you hear things like that, the idea of a new era, a new day, a new page doesn't sound so kind of prophetically in the sky. It sounds like concrete and on the ground. And it doesn't stand alone, because what's happening in Bournemouth, others could come up to this platform and testify, hey, God's led us, God's done this for us. We're staggered. And as a movement, actually, we started on this south coast. Historically, we've been here longest. And now, from Hastings, through Eastbourne, through Brighton, through uh, Hedgen, through Winchester, down to Bournemouth, now we're talking about several buildings that will seat thousands, ultimately. Massive buildings. They were churches that initially started in their sometimes as few as 12 people, or two dozen, or maybe 30, and now we're talking with potential for hundreds, if not on some occasions, thousands of people. Hey, God says it's a new era. And it's so important for us, beloved, to hear this with faith, to understand that this is a remarkable phenomenon. Recently at our board meeting for New Frontiers, uh, one of the trustees brought along a, a half-page article that was in the Independent, I think, like in the late 90s. And it might have been earlier than that, actually. And it showed a half-picture when we, as a local church here in Brighton, were meeting in the uh, Odeon Cinema. And it gave a report, half a page report. This is an extraordinary thing. About a thousand people gathering here. And there's a movement of up to 45 churches. I think it was 1988, actually. 45 churches. And it was like, this is an extraordinary phenomenon. And I thought, they don't understand. But we're now talking in this country a couple of hundred. And we're talking about sizable breakthrough. Something is on the move. It's not getting a lot of visibility yet but something phenomenal on the move. And as we just saw right there in Piccadilly, at the Piccadilly Theatre as well, we are seeing something remarkable and new. And I feel God, as he spoke to me, was saying, now line up with this. I am saying it's a new day. I am saying it's a new era. And so as I prayed about that, I thought, well, perhaps one of the most striking biblical examples is here in Joshua chapter 1. So we're going to look at some of these principles as we draw this day to a close. And I want us to see, first of all, that this new initiative was God's initiative. All right, chapter 1 of Joshua starts with God beginning to speak. God speaking again. Everything that has authenticity, everything that really 
represents major breakthrough in Bible history or church history has its origins in God beginning to speak again. God speaks. When God initiates, here we go. Often people try out of exasperation uh, to get something going. We have our decade of evangelism or our something 07 or our something 08. Will you all please get on board? It's really having a go. It's terrible. Let's try and do something committee-driven and it's all a big yawn and disappointing and at the end of it you think, what was that all about? But when a thing starts with God beginning to speak, now that sounds a bit more like the Bible. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God begins to speak. The whole creation is marked by God's glorious initiative out of nothing he creates. And so when God begins to speak, watch out. God spoke to Abraham when he was just a pagan, began to share promises, began to tell him his great plan and program. You find in Genesis 11, man saying, oh, we'll build a tower up to heaven. We don't need God. And God came down and confused them and muddled their languages and scattered them when they said, no, we'll stay together. But the original command uh, to Adam was, no, go and fill the earth and so on. They said, no, no, we'll scatter. We'll hold him tight. So God confused their languages. There was some judgment there. But immediately, chapter 12, God then comes with his next word, which is to Abraham, through you I will bless all the families of the earth. I will pursue them with grace. I have a plan to touch the whole world as the population spreads. God began to speak. God spoke to Moses. God spoke to Samuel when it says that the light had nearly gone out. The spiritual state of Israel was so low and one young boy began to hear God again. God began to speak. And that was the beginning of a new era, a new breakthrough that brought in the kingdom of David and a huge advance in God's great program. I love the book of Luke in the early chapters where after 400 years of silence between Malachi and the New Testament, you find, in the, especially in Luke's Gospel, these words suddenly, like a fluttering of spring, there come new prophecies, Elizabeth, Mary, Simeon, Anna. There's God speaking, God's alive, God's coming again. God is beginning the new thing. And this is the mark that we have here at the beginning of Joshua. You find similar with uh, the breakthrough to the Gentile world when Peter is just sleeping and resting and uh, we find that he's there in Joppa and then God just puts him in a trance and begins to speak to him. God's speaking to his apostolic servant and before the end of that chapter, the Gentile world opens up as he's given direction. Go to Cornelius. God is the initiator. God is the one who speaks. God's the one who says, right, a new day is going to dawn. A new breakthrough is going to come. And God speaks to his servant. Now God's speaking to us and saying, it's a new era, my beloved. Please hear me. The scene's changing. Traffic signals are going to look different. Get ready for what I'm about to do. And so here we find this book of Joshua, we shouldn't be surprised, starts with, then the Lord spoke. The Lord spoke to Joshua. And the first thing he speaks about is Moses' death, which might be a surprise to us. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Initially, quite in a negative statement, if you like this great hero, this extraordinary man, this giant of a man in Bible history, this man who fellowshiped with God, this man who saw perhaps 
the greatest supernatural events in world history, a whole sea opening, a nation of two million people passing through on dry ground, an Egyptian army enveloped. He saw extraordinary things. He had face-to-face -face fellowship with God, and I dare say, for Joshua, initially, it was a terrifying thing to step out of the shadows and realize, oh, it all rests with me now. Now I'm going to get the spotlight. Now I'm going to feel the weight of responsibility. And so initially, one can imagine that was a pretty negative experience, a scary experience. Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses is gone. The place of safety, the kind of rock figure, he's gone. Now, Joshua, arise, therefore. It's interesting that Moses, in dying, represents the end, actually, of an era. God had said to that nation, to that people, I say you will never enter the land because of their backslidden attitudes, their failure to press in. And so God's judgment was over that era. And so Moses, in a sense, had even his intercessions identified himself with those people, was willing to be identified with them. And even Moses, that great man, never entered the land at that, at that time. Some would say he was even identified with law, if you like. Jesus said, you look to Moses, meaning you look to the law, and the law will never bring us in to our inheritance. It needs Joshua to bring us in. It needs uh, one whose name is the same as Jesus to bring us into the inheritance. So, yes, that era is over. There's an end of, yes, what you're familiar with. There's an end of wilderness wanderings, an, uh, an end of all that tragic season. And so, yes, Moses going is sad, but on the other hand, Moses going is the end of wandering around, law predominating. Now we're going to enter into inheritance. And he's told, now, therefore, arise, it's time to inherit. And in that sense, I think Joshua is very similar to the book of Acts. It's time after a, 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 a very remarkable death. Now, arise for us in our new covenant experience. Yes, not only a remarkable death, but a wonderful resurrection. God's saying now, arise in view of what's taken place and press into what I have for you. The past is behind. It's time, therefore, to press forward. Arise in view of this and press on. It's a new day. It's not going to look like the past. It's not going to be uh, as you're used to. It's interesting. We've just reprinted uh, the book, No Well-Worn Paths. We've uh, not had it in print for a few years, and we've just reprinted it. And I was just glancing at the new copy of it, which is on the bookstall downstairs, and just glancing at the last chapter yesterday, and uh, haven't read it for a long, long time, and it's written at the time we closed Stonely. And amazingly, the last part says there was a vision somebody had of a little child, and I remember it very vividly, actually, and the child has got this large book, and he's trying to turn the page, but he can't turn the page. And then the father puts his strong hand and turns the page. And I end the book saying, so Stonely is dead. We don't know why, we don't know what, because it came out that very last year Stonely, but we know God's got a great adventure for us. And we are turning away from our past and pressing into many new glorious future things that God has for us. And we've seen so much happen since then. It's a new day. We put the familiar behind. We start with the fresh. The second thing I notice here is that it requires fresh faith. 
Joshua is told, go and cross this Jordan. So in taking responsibility, he immediately is required to step into a life of faith which he must take responsibility for. He is going to have to start by doing a miracle. He's going to have to get into a life which requires God's involvement, God's activity, walking into scary situations where if God doesn't act, we're in trouble. So from the beginning, this awareness is that to serve God is to have to walk with faith. We have to see God's intervention. It's almost identical to the story of Elijah being taken, Elisha receiving that commission to carry on, taking the baton, if you like, and actually taking the mantle of Elijah. And the very first thing he does is walk up to the Jordan and takes Elijah's garment and says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And strikes the river and it opens for him because here's this man starting a ministry. It starts with the supernatural involvement of God. It's so important for us, beloved, to understand this is fundamental to involvement with God. Our God is a supernatural God. Our God wants to involve with us in showing his faithfulness in the supernatural. And so we find very quickly, as Joshua follows the Lord's instructions, he arrives at Jericho, where the scriptures say plainly in Joshua 6.1, Jericho was tightly shut. The next verse says this, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. I wonder which verse Joshua was more impressed with. Jericho was tightly shut. See, I've given it. Well, if I look at it, it doesn't look very given. If I look at it, it looks walled up to heaven. But here's the whole point of the walk of faith. Here's the whole point, especially, beloved, for leaders, which we predominantly are in this conference, of saying, yes, Lord, I want to prove your utter faithfulness. And if we're going to get involved in church planting, inviting other people, will you come with me? We're moving to such and such a town. How about coming? How about getting into this adventure? We're praying now about Dublin. We're looking at Paris. We're looking at Berlin. What would you feel about? Wow, that's going to require a faith that looks beyond. Well, that looks like a big city. That looks like difficulty. That looks like Ephesus must have looked to the Apostle Paul. The whole of the book of Acts, it's a supernatural advance. And so we need to understand that as we press into the new era, as God is saying to us, come on, I'm turning the page, a part of that will have to be with a very clear emphasis on God wanting to supernaturally act and break through. It's no good only training people on information. So often our training programs Bible colleges, such as the one I attended, it can be an accumulation of information, not a call to faith. And we need to understand as we train people up, not that information is unhelpful necessarily, it's great for us to get our theology straightened and to understand about God. These things are so valuable to us. But Jesus, when he trained up people, he said, right, you feed them. Well, we've got a few loaves, yeah, feed them. Now you go and heal the sick. Now that's Jesus' training program, is come with me into my supernatural kingdom. It's not just fill your notebooks with lots of facts about God, it is come with me into this. And Joshua had to start that way. He had to, his very beginning was right, first thing you have to do is cross the Jordan. That's the very first thing. 
It's not that that comes later when you've had a season. It's right away. Move into the supernatural. And for several of us, church planting or maybe these new big challenges for some, buildings, you're talking multi-million. You think, wow, multi-million, what are we into? Or going to a town with a handful of people, it requires faith. And so we need to understand the key role of faith in terms of training and preparing and releasing people. It's not just learning and accumulating. It's not just learning a few management techniques, though they can be helpful. It's not just learning a few bits of style, though we can learn things that can help us on our way. We need to be careful even on saying we build on relationships, though we treasure relationships. In the end, if there's no call to faith, if there's no call of depending on God, that God must come through. Because the heart of the whole matter is that in an alien world that says you cannot trust God, when Satan came to Adam and Eve and said, no, you can't believe him, he's not believable, do your own thing. God is determined to vindicate his trustworthiness. Salvation isn't just rescuing us. Salvation is putting on display to principalities, powers, and the world. He, he can be trusted. And he can be trusted in amazing contexts where he still is faithful. And so the whole deal, beloved, is for us to learn to trust him, to grow in our faith, whether it's in situations within our own family, agonizing contexts, challenges, job opportunities, businesses, or churches. It's a walk of faith, essentially. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so often we've had the idea, well, faith's difficult. I'm just being a good Christian, but faith is challenging. No, without faith, you can't please him. Faith is fundamental. It's of the core. It's at the center. Otherwise, we don't grow in our knowledge of the Lord. We don't grow in fellowship with him. We're not having to be stretched to lean on him. I know when I first began to enjoy seeing people baptized with the Holy Spirit and presenting to people, which was a breakthrough. And for me, in uh, evangelical context, I say, well, you can come and receive this. And the people will say, oh, you mean faith? Oh, dear. It's like faith. Well, I don't usually use faith. But God, God said, come on, faith. Enter in, press through, break out. That was the very first thing he had to do. And so we need to understand we are called to faith exploits. The purpose is God wants us to get to know him and how trustworthy he is and put on show how trustworthy he is. So here we are, Joshua. The word comes to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise, therefore, cross this Jordan. Let me just ask you, what, what Jordan are you crossing at the moment? What are your faith goals? What are, what are the things you're stretching for? What are the things that you just know if God doesn't move, we're in trouble? Because we're really reaching out for God. We're looking for him to act. Maybe it is, as I said earlier, church planting. Maybe it's finance. Just seeing Nigel stand here a moment ago talking, reminding me of something that happened to us as a local church recently. As we've been... Uh, raising finance for a new building project ourselves. And uh, Nigel, that great prophet who disguises himself as an administrator, said, I believe that God's told me we should ask for a quarter of a million in our first offering this year. Having just raised 100,000 in the autumn of the previous year, and it sounded very courageous as we went for our 
quarter of a million. And we prayed, and we brought our gifts, and hallelujah, the gifts came in to just under 300,000. And we got a letter, which really stirred me, from a young guy who may even be here for all I know. He just wrote a great letter to the elders, and he just said, it's great following you guys. He said, when Nigel Ring stood up and said, I just feel that it's a quarter of a million we should look for. And all you elders said, right, that's what we're doing. He said, I thought, wow, it's so exciting following these guys. And then he said, when I saw it, you know, I think it was just under the 300,000, he said, wow, it's so thrilling. Beloved, we've, we've got to lead people. People will rise in faith as we as leaders lead people in faith, as we trust him, as we put God to the test, as we ask God to help us. And then just, uh, just three months later, we're coming up to this. So we had our March offering, now it's our June offering for this. So we're saying, right, now we want to put our offering into the, the, uh, the leadership offering, the New Frontiers offering, so we're going for another 100,000, three months later. So we show the video over two weeks, because people, you know, 30% of your people are always missing any given week. So I hope you show the video over two weeks. And then we have our gift day over two weeks, obviously, because a third of the people aren't there on any given week. So I hope you take it as seriously as this. And we say, we're after, I think we were going for 120,000. That was our goal. And as I sat in church on Sunday, a couple of days ago, and up on the screen came, 116,000 came up on the screen, and they said, we're confident we shall go through the 120,000. Hallelujah. Thank you again. Hey, beloved, we can do this. We will lead with faith. We'll say, come on, we can go. Let's keep going. Let's keep believing God. Let's trust God. I hope you have come with faith as we come up to the offering night on Thursday. Hey, we, can, we engage our church. We put the thing before them. Two Sundays. Look at this thing. Wow. Come on, we're going to raise it. We raise it. Yeah, we're in this thing with all our might because we're going to the ends of the earth. And so we stimulate faith. He said, but I thought you were on a building program. Yeah, we are on a building program. Well, we'll leave that for a minute because we're raising this one. Cross this Jordan. Come on a journey of faith. Engage the people in your churches in faith. So they've got their stories. So thrilling to get a young couple, only recently married, up on their feet the following Sunday saying, hey, we got together, husband and wife, we prayed, and we said, let's do this. Wow, we've no, can we manage? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And the next day, the wife goes to work and she gets a raise which well passes this gift that they've never given them before. A raise that through this next year will far exceed what they gave. That was the biggest they'd ever given. They're stories. People got stories. We're, in, we're, we're inviting the people. Come into faith with us. Come and experience it. Let faith invade your home. Let faith invade your marriage. Come on, enjoy God. Joshua, Moses is dead. Come on, let's cross this guy. It's, yeah, put your foot in the river. We're having time to get into the detail. But it's a step of faith. It's a call. Let's go into it. Let's not be careless about it, beloved. Oh, don't forget it. it's the offering. Perhaps we could. No, no. Inspire faith. Get people reaching to God. That was Joshua's first step. It's a new era. God's speaking to us about massive things like, do you really think we can have this building? 
And some of you will remember, it was only October, wasn't it? All you senior pastors that were with us in Bournemouth. It was only October. We said, perhaps you could have this. I said, wow, it's crazy. They've got it. In a, who knows? Who knows? Next year, we, whenever, we can go again into a 1,500-seater instead of a BOQ warehouse because we're into a new era which requires fresh faith and commitment. Next thing I notice is this. The special people that God is speaking to. It says, go and take this people. This people. Don't miss that phrase. It's not just any old people. It's this people. And actually, this is not the story of Joshua's career development. It's the story of God's people. God's people were about to press into their inheritance. Joshua just had the privilege of being the one in leadership at the time when God said to him, I have promised to give this people this inheritance. You will give it to them. It was God's promise. God said it would happen. And God said to Joshua, it's your privilege now to be the one who's leading as I bring them into this next phase. And so it was this people, this very special people to God, a people of destiny, a people of God's particular love, the people that were a miracle people, chosen in Abraham when God said to Abraham, your seed, in your seed, all the families of the earth. When God said to Abraham, count the stars if you can, count the sand if you can, so many would your people be. And this old man believed God. He said, I believe God. And out of that faith, began this people who had now developed to two million. So precious to God. God's miracle people on planet Earth. God's miracle nation. God's bride. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Then he calls them his betrothed. They are his very special people. The church, beloved, is God's very special people. In all our dealings as leaders with the church, these are God's special people. This people. They're not like any other people. It's not just a crowd. Even when we go church planting, we're not saying, well, would you come, a couple of friends? Oh, there's a backslider coming back. Oh, we've got this rabble together. No, this is, this is God's people. This people. When Paul went to Corinth and he was persecuted, went through pressure, God said to him, no, 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 be strong, Paul. I've got many people. We haven't even started yet. No, but I've got many people. There is a special elect delight of mine in this town that I have known from before the foundation of the world. I have appointed to eternal life. They are my people. They are my special people. They may be hidden away in all kinds of a mess at the moment, as Paul says to the Corinthians, and gives this list of terrible mess and horrible lifestyles. And he says, such were some of you. He describes lifestyles that are absolutely disgusting. And yet God's eye in speaking to Paul, he's saying to him, I've got many people here. And then Paul can write to them and say, but now you are washed, you are sanctified. Now you're God's people. We are God's delight. We're God's bride, his joy. In the Old Testament, it was these children of Abraham. God was watching over them. He cared for them. He protected them the pillar of glory that went before and behind. God protected them from the Amalekites. God protected them even when Balaam came and was uh, paid money to curse them. You remember? It says that he was a kind of prophet, was renegade prophet of some kind, and his, his, 
he's going to curse them. He's being paid money to curse them. And he begins, I love those prophecies in Numbers, when he's trying to curse, and all that comes out is blessing. And he can't, he can't, he can't do it. And he says, ah, there's no people like this in the earth. He says, they've got the horns of a wild ox. They're coming through. No one can withstand them. And, and the guy says, no, no, I didn't say that. I said, curse them, curse them. And he says, well, look, come over here. Now I'll give you some money. Curse them. And again, he says, I see one coming up from among them. And he's one. He's the light of the nations. He's one that's coming. And he, he sees this marvelous people that carry in among them the Messiah, the light of the ages, the light of the world. And he, and he blesses and blesses and blesses. Because this people can't be cursed. God's pep people. Go and take this people, this very special people. The church is God's very special people. And even Moses gets into this relationship with God. You remember one time we heard about it earlier today when God said to, to Moses, you know, I'll wipe them out. Actually, God said to Moses that your people, these people of yours, and Moses turned it back to God and said, no, your people whom you brought out what will the nation say? That you cannot bring your people? Beloved, that's a great pastoral prayer. An eldership prayer. Lord, your people who are called by your name, you promise to bless your people. Come on, Lord. You're for us. You're with us. We're not just having a go. We are your people. As we plant churches, as we go to the nations, as people come in, this one and that one was born in Zion. It's God's people springing to life all over the world. The people that were not a people now are the people of God. And so we can take this people into their inheritance. As part of our leadership responsibility, we take them into their inheritance. They are God's choice. They are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, ordained by God for good works, God's special people. So Joshua is to take this people. We are to take this current, this people of God, into what God has for us. It's a new day. You've got to look at the map and say, does God want a church there? Is God stirring my heart? Oh, that's scary. No, it's faith. Cross this Jordan. You and this people, I'll be with you. They're a unique community. I'm with them. They're a miracle people in the earth. Next thing I see is God's assessment of the opposition. So first we saw God's fresh initiative. Second, we saw God's special people moving into his special inheritance. Thirdly, God's assessment of the opposition. No man will be able to stand before you. There are two things there. One is the hint. Uh, you just need to be aware people will try and stop you. The word that they won't be able to is telling you they will try to. There will be opposition. There will be every opportunity to try and hinder you. And if you look at the story of Joshua, you'll find there are walls that stand against him. There's a river. There are walls. There are kings. There are cunningly devised people who move against him. There's problem within his own ranks. There are all kinds of hindrances, difficulties, setbacks. But he works with this word, no man will be able to stand before you. There's guarantee, and this always happened with Israel. When they believed God, when they put God first, when they prioritized to honor him, believe him, trust him, listen for his direction, they were never, ever defeated. Israel were only defeated 
when they sinned against God, when they forgot to trust him, when they said, well, let's, look, we're outnumbered, let's pull the Egyptians in, or let's look to the Assyrians to help us. They looked to some other means. They didn't look to the God who brought them to birth and called them into his mission. They said, no, we can't do it. They got their eyes off God. They asked for others to help them, and in so doing, they missed their true identity. And that's the great danger of the church today, as Steve so powerfully brought to our direction our, 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 our thoughts this morning. As, as we consider and see the church so often just trying to make itself more palatable, trying to adjust this and adjust that, and think, well, maybe we could pull this in and pull that in. Israel tried that. They said, oh, we're a bit outnumbered. It's difficult. Maybe the Egyptians, maybe the Assyrians. It never, ever worked for them. When they humbled themselves and sought God, they saw success. Sometimes even when they did that, saying uh, Gideon's day, God cut their numbers even lower first and then demonstrated his magnificent power and thorough commitment to them. God is committed to his church. If we will look to him and follow him, he will make it that nothing can prevent the onward march, especially when he's saying to us, beloved, it's a new era. I'm turning the page. It's not just prophet speak. It's coming again and again and again. And if we have the courage to believe him, we shall see such things happen. We'll see such glorious breakouts of the power of the Holy Spirit and God standing with us so that nothing can stand before us. I love that classic statement in Hebrews 11. It simply says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. I love, I love that. Just a few words. You think, Those are amazing words. By faith. No one touched them. You know, throw a stone. No, by faith. And there's all these guys, I guess, at the top of the walls watching them. Six days, they're walking around. Ah, you silly guys, what are you doing down there? You know, as the army marches around. And then on that last day, as they've been thoroughly obedient, done exactly what God says, by faith, the walls gave in. They yielded to a greater force. They could no longer withstand God's awesome power. And we will find that with obstacles, difficulties, things that will say, you come this far, you come no further. We will not have that kind of church in our town. We will not allow you into this premises. No, you can't use the school. No, you can't build there. No, you can't have that. We will meet that kind of thing. By faith, walls fall down. By prayer, commitment, obedience, looking to God trusting that we are on his mission, doing his work, that he is the one with primary commitment. If we will keep in step with him and trust him, nothing can stop us. It's when we give in. It's when we think, well, I don't know that we could rise to this. It looks difficult. That's exactly what happened with these earlier spies. But now, hey, it's a new day. God said to us once before at prayer and fasting, the chill, cold, icy wind that has been killing and killing and killing is finished. There is a new warm wind that is going to produce life. Hey, we felt it today. We felt it today. It's why we do honor and love and respect ministries like Rob's. I'm so grateful Rob and Glenda here. We're saying, come on, come on, breathe the gifts and grace of God that God's given to you. We want to humble ourselves and open ourselves and say, we're ready, we're ready, Lord. We really believe you're going to breathe on us. 
We really believe your power is going to keep flooding through. We shall see more healing, signs, wonders. That has already been our experience over the last 18 months or so. We've seen more. We've begun to get our training programs like Front Edge. They have, they have more than simply information. They are saying, come on, let's do it. Let's go for it. There's an involvement of the supernatural. There's a faith factor that is taking us beyond simple information. Nothing will be able, no man will be able to stand before you. And then lastly, God's way of victory. God's way of victory. First, God's presence. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. This is not talking about general omnipresence. This is talking about amazing commitment. God's presence, the uniqueness of the church, the uniqueness of Israel. God committing himself. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't carry us anywhere. That's what we're looking for. That's why we must, in our prayer times and our gathering times, we are looking for the manifestation of his presence. In our own individual devotional life, we're not merely going through the routine of our prayer list. We're looking for encounter. We're looking for the enjoyment, the renewal, the coming to him. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And when he's gone to prepare a place for us, he said, I'll come and receive you to myself, that where I am, you can be also. That verse has taken a whole new meaning for me in the last year or two. Jesus has gone and prepared a place for me. You think, oh, you die, you know, he's pumping up the cushions and giving a fresh lick of paint. He's got a room up there somewhere for me. I don't believe it. I believe he's talking about, he says, then you will know I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. I'm in you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Paul calls it seated with him in heavenly places. My life is hid with Christ in God. So when I pray in the mornings, I again and again use this verse with Lord Jesus, you said you're going to prepare a place for me. And if you prepare a place for me, you will come again and receive me to yourself. We know what it means when it says he will come again, because later in the chapter, he says, I will come again. He's talking about the Spirit coming. And so I'm looking daily for engagement with the Spirit, the enjoyment of meeting with Jesus, enjoying his presence, enjoying his love, experiencing Jesus with me. He's gone to prepare this place. He's come to receive me to himself. Where he is, where's that? Seated in heavenly places. I could be with him also. I can enjoy the fellowship of the Spirit. And when we come together, we come to engage with the Spirit. Paul says to the believing church, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't get into dissipation. Be filled with the Spirit. Engage with the Spirit. When we come together, that's what we've been doing as the bands led us so beautifully today. We come to engage with the Spirit. Come, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Make melody with all your heart. Be filled up with God. That's the church. Come and engage with Him. Whether it's individually or corporately, we're coming to experience the presence of the Lord, and then out of that, beginning to learn what Jesus also said in that John 14, truly, truly, I say to you, the things I do, you should do also. The greater things you should do. I've been living with that word this last year or so, again and again, Lord, you said it, the things I do, you should do also. And I found to my joy and delight, hey, he's doing them. Week in and week out, he's doing more things, more things. Yeah, he said, I'm with you. We, as we step over this Jordan, I've taken a step. Have you taken a step? I thought, I'm into this. I'm committed to this. God, come on, break out. 
break out. Do it. Do it again. Come on. And, oh, I've never seen that before. Oh, I've never seen that before. I remember, I remember once I was on a platform and a guy called Ian Andrews who had some notoriety as a healing ministry. And uh, it just interested me that at one point he prayed for someone and he just said at a distance, he said, such and such to this person. And he said, now check out. He said, oh, you're well. And he said, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> and I, it just blessed me. I thought, this guy's living on the edge. He's been experiencing some things. Now he's experienced another thing. Something I hadn't seen happen before. Oh, there's another thing. Oh, boy, that's another piece of inheritance I pressed into. It's a dynamic pressing in. I, come on, let's cross over this Jordan. Let's get into a land of believing him, seeing what he will do. Taking fresh initiatives, but it comes out from his presence. Enjoying his presence, as we've been hearing so wonderfully from Rob uh, the, uh, last year and again this year. The Lord himself we're bearing witness. I find sometimes certain verses come to life to me with more emphasis than others. I remember when we were at the new church plant at Table View, and it was just the second week of the church, or maybe in third, of a church plant. And I just loved being in a new church plant. And we prayed for the sick at the end. And I just found that verse came to me strongly. God himself bearing witness with various signs and wonders and miracles. Now, I just prayed that over a number of people. God himself, we're moving into a new region of the whole Cape area. Now, God himself wants to bear witness. And we saw several people healed. God himself bearing witness, standing with us, proving, yes, this isn't just people having a go. Yes, we are building on relationships, but more than relationships. We're, we're building on the presence of God. God's here. God's breaking out. God's manifesting his presence. My presence will go with you. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Secondly, he said, in terms of being victorious, he said, this book, this book of the law, meditate in it day and night. This book, this, this scripture, meditate in it. Keep it in your thoughts. Keep it in your consciousness. Take it seriously. Live by its revelation. Don't take on more palatable alternatives. Don't be consumer-driven. We've heard these things today. I won't underline them again or just mention them again. Let's be clear, beloved. There's so much out there. People I know decades ago who started on this walk into recovery of New Testament Christianity, what we called restoration, and we kind of walked arm in arm for a season, and then I found more and more guys were saying, well, actually, I think we'll try this, and well, maybe we'll try that, and I was so disappointed to see different funds not taking the Bible very seriously, and I think, no, Lord, help us! We take this word thoroughly seriously because in having this word, God has spoken. God's word is there for us. Keep it not only in your brain, but keep it in your mouth. We speak it out. We speak it out when we pray over people. We speak it out when we pray to God. Lord, you said. We speak it out when we walk in holiness and faith. Keep it in your mouth. Meditate on it. And notice this. It says, it doesn't say, then I will reward you for your diligence. It doesn't say that. This, the process is quite different. If you will do this, you will make your way prosperous. It's not if you meditate in the Bible, I say, oh, well done, okay, here's a reward. 
It's not God's response. It's, no, you, you will make your way prosperous. You'll be like a tree planted by a stream. You'll bear fruit. Your leaf will be green. God promised it. You'll be prosperous if you will do these things. There's a guaranteed prosperity that comes as we feed on God's Word and live in His book. Here it is, the Spirit and the Word together. And last of all, God-given morale. Be strong. Right, here's a command. With the commission comes a command, be strong. Some of us feel, well, that's a problem with me. I don't feel very strong. No, God said to Gideon, listen, Gideon, go in this might of yours. Have I not sent you? And being strong is part of the commission. It's part of God's command to go. It's part of God's provision. In the command comes the provision of being strong by the grace of God. It's something God does for us. It's God something God builds into us, and it's vital for us as leaders to be strong. I was meditating again on the story of David and Goliath. There's so much in that passage I hadn't seen before one morning when I just felt the Spirit was upon me, and I just felt to read in it. Just reading it again and again, just seeing the arrogance of the guy. Just seeing, you know, this day, this day, I'm taking your head off. As he's running at this giant, this day, I will feed you to the birds. You think, wow, this guy sounds so arrogant. He sounds, who does he think he is? Well, who he thinks he is is this, I am the servant of God. You come with all your power and might and strength. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. And what's devouring him is that the world may know there's a God in Israel. That's what motivates him. He says, we can't have Israel in shame. Let the world know there's a God in Israel. And that's what's stirring him. It's giving him strength. It's causing him to go and be strong. Salvation is God's great plan. We have to speak to ourselves. We have to be strong in the strength that God supplies. We have to make sure we're not leaning elsewhere. We're looking to him for his commitment. And God is saying to us, beloved, it's a new day. Do you believe it? I really do. It's a new era. God is ready to do things we couldn't have imagined. It couldn't have imagined. As I hear of church after church saying, well, actually, we've seen this massive place and we think we'll go for it. We said, well, you started in a room with 12 people. What are you talking about? No, we're going for it. Because our faith is growing and growing. We believe in God. Or we're uprooting and moving to plant again. We're going for it. Why? God's promised us good. The Lord's promised us good. Let's go for it with all our might. Let's stand to pray and we're going to sing and call an end to this great first day we've enjoyed